Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for being a part of the Becker's Behavioral Health Virtual Event. My name is Jacob Emerson. I'm Associate News Director in the Becker's Newsroom. And today I'm very pleased to be joined by a special guest. Brad Kittredge is Chief Executive Officer at Brightside Health. He's here with me today for a fireside chat where we're going to be exploring Brightside Health's approach to mental health care and focusing on their crisis care program for high-risk individuals and their efforts to reach underserved populations. So Brad, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks, Jacob. Uh, so get us started. Brad, talk a little bit more about yourself, your background in healthcare, and then what it is that you do today at Brightside Health. Yeah, Brightside Health is a national telepsychiatry provider. So we operate in all 50 states and D.C., providing uh, mild through severe care for depression, anxiety, and the, the full constellation of, of mood and anxiety disorders, really focusing on pioneering uh, the delivery of, of life-saving care in a remote environment, focused on populations that often fall through gaps in care and on methodologies and, and approaches that are uniquely enabled by uh, a tech and data-driven platform to really deliver evidence-based, highly impactful, and, and measurable outcomes for those who need it the most. Yeah, that's wonderful. I want to talk a little bit more about pioneering life-saving care. Explain to us what crisis care is. As I understand it, it's Brightside Health's program for patients with an elevated risk of suicide. What were you seeing that ultimately led Brightside to want to develop something like this? Yeah, I think it's worth noting that telemedicine is still pretty new in, in any kind of historical arc, although you know we've all had a crash course in it. It's starting to feel very normal and routine. Um, we're only really a few years into this collective journey as a, as a healthcare system of really embracing and adopting the, the new tools that we have to deliver care. And I think it's fair to say that at the beginning, um, most people were sort of cautious about the kind of care that might be safely and effectively delivered in a remote environment, often assuming that those individuals at the higher ends of severity and acuity would probably best suited for in-person care and not appropriate for remote care. We certainly had a thesis that we could deliver really high quality care in a way that addresses a lot of the root causes of some systemic quality issues that our healthcare system has had. And have been watching this very closely. And, and what we found was that individuals with elevated suicide risk were often being referred out of telemedicine vendors who thought they shouldn't be seen there and, and might be better seen in person, and then having a really hard time getting in-person care because it's hard enough to get a routine outpatient appointment. You often need to wait you know, 10 or 12 weeks to just get a therapy appointment. But these people need not only care quickly, but they need a very specific type of care. So when somebody has elevated suicide risk, and, and, and by that really think somebody who has not only suicidal ideation, but has started conceiving of plans and ways they may follow through with it, representing an elevated risk. Um, they need a subspecialty type of care that's focused on this kind of risk reduction. So it's not just any care. It's not every mental health provider that's trained in this way or comfortable treating these patients. And so in many ways, the patients who need timely and effective care the most become this hot potato and they can't get an appointment. And that's why so many of them end up at the emergency department. That, of course, we know can be ineffective, both from a clinical and financial standpoint, um, and re result in kind of a revolving door. Notably, it's also like a huge risk factor. If somebody goes to the emergency department with a suicidal ideation complaint and is discharged, they have a 31 times higher risk of actually having a suicide event in the following 12 months. So it's really important to be able to effectively identify and engage with and de-escalate these individuals to, to effectively manage that risk. And no one was doing it. It was a huge gap in the market, a huge need 
And uh, we decided to take a closer look and dig in along with some some partners and, and collaborators and found that there are great evidence-based protocols to build around here. Um, our team chose the CAMS framework. That's the Collaborative Assessment and Management of Suicidality. It's got about 20 years of, of research behind it showing that it's highly effective in this population. We built that into our platform that includes very specific protocols. We trained all of our clinicians and started working to be able to accept both referrals and escalate our own patients to make sure that they can get the, this high-quality, timely, and very specialized care uh, to reduce that risk. And, and now we've extended that out across our nationwide network and are, are partnering with our, our payer partners and health system partners to make sure that we can address all of those gaps in care of everywhere where these patients are, are looking for help. I mean, it sounds like some incredible growth that you've seen at Brightside recently, Brad. Um, fair to say that for these patients that you're treating with with that elevated risk of suicide, uh, the last place you want them to be receiving care is the emergency department. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we all know that volumes in emergency departments have grown substantially uh, in recent years, and the proportion of that volume that's driven by mental health complaints has almost doubled. Um, and so a lot of people, for a lot of reasons that, that we all are familiar with, uh, end up using the emergency department as the only mental health care that they're able to find. And those of us who have spent time looking at, at the ED or, or delivering care through the ED um, know that it's not designed to deliver mental health care. It can be a very effective resource to stabilize somebody who's in crisis and to triage them and determine where they need to go. But it's not the place where you're really actually delivering care. We also know that these patients generally take three times longer to move through the emergency department. So they're sort of taking up two bed turns. They're making it really hard to manage the discharge planning. And so the patient doesn't want to be there. The provider doesn't really want to have them there. The payer doesn't want to have them there. But we're seeing more and more volume go there because it's really the care of last resort. And it's the front door that people can find. And so, um, you know, there's a huge opportunity to partner with payers and health systems to, to work and solve this very specific and meaningful problem that has such a powerful clinical and, and financial lever. That includes you know, the, the really simple and easy approach of starting with facilitating that discharge planning, making sure that everybody who presents at the ED with a mental health complaint, um, and probably 80% of them end up getting discharged to outpatient care rather than admitted for inpatient services, that they've got clear, timely, and effective specialized handoffs to support their needs so that they don't come back, right? The, the average uh, in the industry is about 14% readmission rate within 30 days, representing this revolving door. Um, that's not going to come down until we solve this problem and, and provide those great discharge options um, in partnership with those EDs uh, to support the needs of these patients. And again, align the values and, and the priorities of, of patient provider and payer here. Yeah, and I really appreciate you diving into where both payers and health systems can can partner with providers like yourself to help reduce these ED admissions and readmissions, like you mentioned. Any other opportunities you, you see there for, for large healthcare organizations to, to make a difference here? Yeah, of course. The as as you start to you know solve that really uh, high high visibility pain point around discharge, the real big opportunity is to go upstream and say, how do we intercept and divert people who who might be coming in the first place? How do we recognize them earlier? Certainly, we know there's a lot of opportunity in predictive analytics when we look at claim streams or when we look at uh, you know clinical uh, care consumption patterns. There are ways to better identify and engage with people earlier who might be contemplating presenting at the ED. Certainly, we know there are opportunities to, um, to support and collaborate on screening patients in ambulatory clinics and support timely referrals um, when somebody might have suicidal ideation and ideally before they've escalated to starting to make plans on that suicidal ideation. 
Uh, and so we've been collaborating with, with payer and health system partners to be able to do all those things, trying to reduce that volume at the ED as well as reduce the, the readmissions that come back. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, I want to stay on the payer topic, specifically in terms of managed care and what Brightside is doing to help serve underserved populations. Can you talk a little bit about your work uh, in the Medicaid space specifically and also in Medicare and what you're seeing there? Yeah, I think it's no surprise to all of us that some of the biggest demand and most underserved populations are in Medicaid. Um, Medicaid is the largest payer for mental health claims in the U.S., but we also know that probably half of Medicaid recipients with a mental illness are not getting care. There's also just limited networks. We all you know, know and assume that Medicaid has uh, lower reimbursement and it makes it challenging for providers to make it happen. For us, that means you know it's just a need and aligned with our mission and our reason for being as a provider to lean in and help solve that hard problem. So we're collaborating closely with MCOs, um, using this ED use case as a real foundation and a starting point to make sure that those Medicaid recipients have access to high quality care in a timely way um, that aligns with, with the interests of, of their MCO. Uh, and so working closely there, um, thinking also about inpatient psychiatry discharge and step down um, as a very similar use case that that needs to be supported and is challenging this population. But then, of course, just extending through, you know, all of those levels of, uh, of outpatient care to support the full range of, of diagnoses here. So, of course, we're talking about major depressive disorder and, and generalized anxiety disorder, but also, you know, bipolar, OCD, uh, PTSD, postpartum depression, all really substantive and major issues within these populations um, and, and where these patients have really uh, a hard time finding care and, and particularly high quality care. Interestingly, it's it's more of a surprise to, to, surprise to many of us that um, there are some similar issues in the Medicare population. So some recent studies have shown that psychiatry networks in Medicare Advantage plans are even narrower and, and harder to get appointments with psychiatrists than in most Medicaid plans. Um, and so, um, you know, there are major issues for our seniors who are looking to get care. Um, and Brightside has uh, begun serving uh, Medicare and Medicare Advantage populations, collaborating with some of our payer partners and their MA programs, and then serving Medicare Part B in uh, more and more states um, as we roll out to serve those populations. Interestingly, you know, we've seen really great results in both the Medicare and Medicaid subgroups within the populations we've treated. I think there are always questions around Will seniors use technology or, or do, do Medicaid recipients have appropriate access to technology? What we're finding is that the answer is yes, that those in, people in those programs can access uh, Brightside, they can use our tools and our technology, and they get outcomes that are on par with our general population that we see in a commercial population. So we've published those results in peer review and shown that uh, this tool and this approach is a, a great fit and a great opportunity to serve and, and address the major supply and demand imbalance within these populations and not only get care to these individuals, but get cost-effective, highly impactful care that aligns with the priorities of, of both Medicare Advantage plans and, and Medicaid MCOs. So clearly di different strategies and different reimbursement challenges when it comes to these two, two populations, but interesting to hear about, about how Brightside is, uh, is meeting those, those needs for those patients. Um, Brad, we have a lot of different hospital and health system leaders listening into us today. So anything else you think they should really know? Any other final thoughts you'd want to share with them? Well, we're going to have a, a lot of exciting news to continue to talk about in the near future um, with additional program expansions with Brightside and ways that we're building out to collaborate with our partners. But um, the thing I would just leave you with is there are a lot of really hard, really meaningful and tractable problems in mental health care delivery that our system has been struggling with for decades. 
And Brightside's here to do the hard work. I think that's what we want to be known as. We want to take on the hard cases and the hard situations and make a real impact in a way that aligns with our partners. Until we do that together, these problems aren't going to change. And we all know these trends are only growing uh, and accelerating. So we've got a chance to lean in and to really uh, make an impact together. And, and that's what we're excited about and motivated by every day. Wonderful. Well, Brad, thank you so much for being a part of the Becker's Behavioral Health virtual event and for sharing all the impactful work that you're doing at, at Brightside Health. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Jacob. Appreciate you. And to our audience, we hope that you enjoyed and learned from our discussion today.